spidey senses tingling. Ladies and gentlemen, the William Wallace of Google Hangout shaming. Uh, he's the host of the Paper, Paper Keg Podcast. He's slim. It's episode 149. I fumbled the ball there, boys. Welcome to the show, paperkeg.com. You know, we're three living friends talk about their books that they read this week. And we do a book club to close out the show. We read the same book and we talk about it. Jim Henson. You heard of him? Tale of Sand. Uh, that professional podcast host you heard giving that intro <laughs> flawlessly, I might add. Jonesy loves beer. He is a spokesperson for Pennsylvania Iron Lungs. Uh, he's an unpublished writer. He's a father. Haynes spokesperson wearing a glorious white Hanes tee right now. Welcome back to the show. You know, I'd like to go back to the tapes and find out exactly how many times I've flubbed the intro. It's got to be less than five out of 149 episodes. Less than mm. five. I'm calling it. Bendis math. There there was a time where I tried to call you Opsilimus Prime. Much like just now, <laughs> I completely stumbled over myself. I mean, that's pretty great. Opsilimus um, Prime, guys. You know, if we want to continue talking about great things, we should look no further than our final host. He is... He's a podcast star. He does a podcast called Book Jug. You know, he guest hosts on podcasts all the time. The numbers, they fly in for him to do requests. He's a father. Fave Phenom on Twitter. Dale underscore, welcome back. It's great to be back, yeah. Speaking of book jug, we may be recording a book jug immediately after we record this paper keg. Uh, wow. Spoilers. My co-host and I, we read a book and we talk about it like a book club, like like we do for paper keg. Yeah. Does that mean it'll be released? Maybe by, because this hits Monday morning, this right, show. Right. Does that mean this new book jug episode will have been released by then? What's the status of that? Uh, there's a very, very strong possibility of that happening. Very strong. Wow. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. You heard it here first. Check your feeds whenever and you listen to this. Dale, good luck to you and your co-host tonight. I hope you, do get, you guys do well. Yeah, we do good work together. I'm excited. It's going to, first time since being on jury duty. Being a rural so Jew myself. Yeah. Uh, enough of Jonesy talking. We got to move on. We got a big show to cover. <laughs> Jonesy's anime hair. Look at that anime hair. It's just sticking out like a cliff off the top of yeah. his head. I don't know how he does it. Uh, we have God. We we have a lot to get into. You know, I just want to reiterate that next week, episode one fifty, mm. one of the biggest shows. I mean, mean arguably podcast history. We're doing the entire planetary run. Mm. All single issues, my all God. the addendums. Oh, my God. 
you know, the Adam West issue, whatever you want to call that. We're doing it all. One episode. We're going to break it down. It's going to be consumable, mm. hopefully. Or else we're just going to retire. We're just going to not do a show anymore. That's what it comes down to. It's either you're going to be able to hear our thoughts on the book, or you're going to hear our wet mouths all over each other, the whole audio for about an hour. Now, is that wet wet mouths talking, or is that us kissing? Kissing and all kinds of whatever. Necking? Necking. Planetary necking. That's going to be a huge thing once this show hits. Absolutely. Three men necking on air. About planetary, planetary episode one fifty. I can't wait. The uh, paper keg shippers out there will be happy. <laughs> the paper <laughs> keg shippers. <laughs> I think there is one person that, that does paper keg shipping. <laughs> I've his iron lung just rejected <laughs> himself. His <laughs> iron oh, lung just shot so a sperm bear uh, out. <laughs> I was trying to combine our names like shippers do, and the uh, the results are pretty hilarious. Oh God! But uh, so that's <laughs> next week, episode one fifty. It's going to be amazing. Um, yeah, it's also next next weekend is Free Comic Book Day. Man, we wow. Uh, newsflash: We have no time to read Planetary. By the way, between our upcoming weekend and next weekend being Free Comic Book Day, the only one's going to be prepared to to talk about Planetary is Jonesy. He's already done. I'm almost done. I'm, yes. I'm rounding in third base. Next week is Free Comic Book Day, which uh, is the first May, the first Saturday in May every year. You go to your local comic book shop and you pick up free comics. And much to the um, tradition that Paper Keg holds, we will be at our official show sponsor, the yeah. comic book shop in Wilmington, Delaware. God love We're going to be uh, tabling there, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um in the in the convention business, and we're gonna have our banner set up and whatever uh, postcards we can scrounge up from the bottom, right? Uh, that under our floor mats in our cars. We did like a drawing last year for a free um, book that we have covered on the show. That's right, a you, book club book. You come to the sh- you come to the shop, you fill out a little ticket, no cost. Right, we want your email. We will market to you. Just kidding. That's made up. We didn't do that last year, right? We didn't. We don't have the gumption to. We don't have the time to do that. No, no. <laughs> it's free and clear. Josie might. <laughs> you can c- come collect your winnings from the comic book shop and never care about us again. But yeah. we're happy to do it, and and it's off of the official paper keg spinner rack, which the comic book shop has there, three hundred sixty-five days a year. They have a whole spinner rack devoted to our show, with uh, book club books that we that featured. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a great time. I mean, it's been Dope. past two years we've been. The first year, what was it? Mark, may he rest in peace, uh, ditched us. Rest right. Miss him already. So we'll be hanging out. We'll be at a table doing who knows what. Probably making fun of Jonesy for however many hours. We're oh, there. absolutely. Um, and then maybe go for drinks after you get a burger. Ooh. You know. <laughs> I could go for a burger right now. Free comic book day burger. Yeah. So c- come on down to free comic book day and spend money at the comic book shop in Delaware. They're That's amazing. an order. That's an order. Obviously. People. I'll it's do a direct it. order straight from the top. Um, I do want to reference, you know, Jonesy, you have on the topic of the time that Jonesy has to read comic books. You might rival Don Garvey 
host of the Echo Riff podcast in terms of time available to record podcasts. Oh, uh, no, come you on guys, no. And you finished. You have al- almost already finished six hundred pages of planetary. Six hundred forty-nine last week. Yeah, mm-hmm. I. Uh, well, look, I just sacrificed sleep to get the job done, and I'll go back to this to the well. There was a time when I could not finish the book club in time for a show, and I got so eviscerated by Slim on the air for my lack of commitment. And just being a terrible person in general, probably a snake, that I committed to myself that I would never, ever, ever, never finish a book club again. So I, I don't do care if amazing. I have to stay up all night. I do think it's amazing done. that we eviscerated you for not finishing a book club, and now we're eviscerating you for finishing <laughs> 600 pages early. <laughs> early. It, we haven't no, even <laughs> done this episode's book club, and you are five. <laughs> you are back fat pages away from finishing next week's book club. Now Look, Jody's at the cyclical. point where he's reading Planetary like upside down. He's he's remarking at the paper <laughs> right. stock, yeah. and he's looking at it at angles in the light. That's how <laughs> much time he has left to finish everything. He's going I'm to not going to remember any of my notes now. <laughs> shipper. Oh, shipping Planetary. Uh, <laughs> Slim underscore A was the first thing that popped in my head, and I couldn't stop waving. Uh, we are running out of tape. Funnily guys, enough... Freak- uh, yeah, real quick, uh, in regards to your time hop just the other day, the time that Jonesy abandoned our book club early was the same weekend that Mark ditched us for free comic book day. I mean, wow. that was a heck of a weekend. Wow. Heck of a weekend. I actually try to t- use time hop on my Android cell phone. Hot, steaming garbage, that application. It was hot garbage on iOS, mm. worked maybe every other day, and now it maybe works every two days. Ooh. Abe. I don't know what's going on there with Time Hop. They're not going to be a show sponsor anytime soon, I guess. Time Hop, Abe, what are you doing? <laughs> Adorable little guy. Uh, Jonesy loves beer. You know, we joke because it's just easy to do it. Uh, what did you read this week? I want to talk about a book that's going to come out of nowhere. Mythos Comics presents Brave, number one. Uh, it is the tale of Loud Hawk. A Lenape uh, Native American who ventures out on his first vision quest. And he gets the vision of being uh, hunted by a pack of wolf-like beasts. The leader of which has a star-shaped scar over his left eye. He chases and kills uh, Loudhawk. He snaps out of it, goes back to the, uh, <clears throat> the council fire where he uh, talks to the Sachem, who's like the wise man of the village. The wise man is like, oh, it's just a vision, it's just a dream. You know, we know all the tribes around us. There's no danger in the lands. Skip to, you know, several weeks later, he's still having the visions every day. Uh, two songs, the Sachem's daughter, is kind of like his love interest. And they're flirting, you know, pretending to hunt each other in the forest. Basically, you're living a good life until they come across the uh, the waters and see that uh, the white man has landed, and they are on a slaving expedition. Hmm. Our two lead characters are kidnapped by whom? The lead slaver who has a star-shaped scar over his left eye. Brave number one, excellent, excellent comic book, great story. Wow. 
incredible art and it's not super fantastic superhero but it does tell like a last of the mohicans adventure story and i loved it it sounds pretty sobering <clears throat> is it com- almost completely all realistic or is there any sort of fantastical the, elements to it the fantastic elements are really told about his vision quest Mm-hmm. So, like, he morphs into a wolf in his dreams that is, like, hunting a deer. And he has, you know, he continues to have waking visions afterwards so that, like, he's looking at a puddle. And in the puddle, the reflection is him at the wolf with the beast at his back. So that's the only fantastic album. He doesn't have powers, but he does have, like, I guess an en- extra sensory perception of, you know, impending doom. But besides that, it's pretty, like, a gritty... Uh, I, I almost want to say, like, um, remember the New World, like the that Chris Columbus, um, John Colin Smith, Pocahontas one? one. You know how it was, like, really realistic and gritty, and yeah. it was, like, telling the real story? That reminds me a lot of this comic book, with just a little bit of fantasy in his, in his visions. Almost like True Detective, where... Um, Cole's uh, Rust's uh, <laughs> Rust visions were more, you know, a product of himself rather than being a, a function of the real world kind of deal. And Carcosa <laughs> was was Last of the Mohicans the movie where Daniel Day Lewis yells out, "I will find you." Yes, that is the one. <laughs> Do you know Jonesy's all peed off? You you had to bring up the one bad line from the <laughs> movie. Stay alive. You must stay alive. <laughs> I recall it. Quite Is that clearly. Daniel? Daniel. I, I didn't invite you to this hangout. How did you get in here? He's oh, still alive. Still alive. Uh, we need to move on from this Daniel Day-Lewis fun fest <laughs> that we're having. Fun fest. Um, Carry Me by Dan Barry. 99 cents in the comics app. Go buy it right now. I implore you to go buy this book. I don't tweet about comics, I guess, that much anymore, the books that I read, because I don't really read a whole lot outside of our book clubs, and I just fake it for this this round, usually. Um, <laughs> Carry Me is a wordless gorgeous book that follows uh, a man and his infant daughter as they travel through this kind of um, overgrown field. And as he's walking through the field with his infant daughter, they encounter this angry dog. And as the man encounters the dog, he tries to fight him off and eventually sends his infant daughter to run away. And then as the story progresses the daughter grows up and they age and the man ages and they encounter the dog again and battle again. And, and they progress further through the story in this battle against this, this angry dog and they will both age. And the entire process is a metaphor for life, love, death. You know, the dog is essentially death and it's the battle between life and death between you know, age and dying. And it, it was an amazing, gorgeous, stunning comic book that I didn't expect to be moved by. And it was, it was amazing. It, it shows the journey of this young girl from beginning to end and with her father. And it was probably one of the best books that I've, 
best sing best single issue I've read this year. Wow. It's pretty high you need to go get it. Carry me. Carry me. Search for it on Comicsology. Disclaimer over for Comicsology. Um, it's just gorgeous, and it reminds the art style reminds me of um, Kate Beaton a little bit. You see her art floating around Twitter all the time, but hmm. man, loved it. Like pro- this is probably a book that if I go to a con this year, I would seek out this guy. Wow. And get like a print or something. Wow. And that's pretty rare. Did he do the story wow. and the art? Mm-hmm. Wow. You know? What more can what more can you say? I just said I'd buy a print version of this. You know? That's amazing. Wake up, America. That's that's him. Daniel Day Lewis, wherever you wake, are in Great up. Britain. Get carry me. You must get it. Uh Thanks, just guys. do it. Just do it. Don't listen to Daniel Day chiming in here yeah. on a Google Hangout again. You don't need him. We don't need him. He's but that's my that's my pick. That's my pick of the month right there. Wow. Ninety nine cents. Wow. Okay, great. Uh, Sounds amazing. Dale underscore A. You're wearing an orange hoodie. It's it's changing the hue colors of your room entirely it's, and it's freaking you everything's out. Everything's all jacked up over here. Jonesy is now, I think, laying down on his couch. We can see the top of his head. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was just trying to... Is that better? Sorry. That's better. Thank you. Uh, Dale, what did you read this week? I read... I read a couple good books, so it's tough to pick out the one I'm going to talk about. But I am going to talk about Original Sin number zero oh. from Marvel Comics. Mark Wade, Jim Chung, and Paco Medina on pencils. Oh, oh! And original sin number zero is the um, the prelude to the event book coming. Original sin by Jason Aaron, and it involves the the Watcher Uatu the Watcher, who, if you uh, if you know Marvel Comics, is a bald headed alien being who lives on the moon. And he watches everything. He he he's usually kind of hanging around in the background of uh, major major type events. They'll write him in either after or he'll just be kind of hanging out in there. And he watches. He just watches and documents everything in time. And original sin is going to involve the murder of this fellow. And original sin number zero is a really charming story about Nova. The young Nova, Sam Alexander, I believe his name is. And he kind of wonders why the Watcher just watches and doesn't do anything. And uh, and you know the Watcher doesn't speak, usually. So he kind of flies up to the moon. And he's kind of like, he kind of starts asking the Watcher, you know. He tr- starts to be being nice to the Watcher. To uh, try to kind of maybe butter him up to for for information or for him for the watcher to even speak to him and you find out that the watcher is uh hails from a race of beings who were all powerful omnipotent beings who had the ability to influence lesser beings which is pretty much every other being in the galaxies and it it, jonesy kind of reminded me of the uh the 2001 storylines where this race of watchers sort of influenced this uh, alien race and gave them nuclear power. 
and then it, they watched. They kind of sat, sat back and watched because this race of uh, watchers decided there was a couple of them that decided they need they have this power they have the um obligation to influence and do good for the lesser beings in the in the galaxy so they grant this uh the the ability to use nuclear power you know it gives them the intelligence to do that and come to find out they take advantage of it and they go to war with each other and they basically obliterate each other so from that point on this race of omnipotent beings say we no longer will we influence anything ever we just have the power to watch we will watch and record and that is what our destiny and that is what we will do from now on come to find out the the person who spoke up and said we should have influenced these uh, beings to begin with is the watcher Uatu's father so you get through um, some some sort of silence you know, silent panels almost that Uatu shows Nova what he does for a living. And he doesn't just watch what's happening. Like he wouldn't just be watching us right here, watch right now. He watches his, he watches infinite time streams. So he watches what I would be saying here, but he also watches the infinite other time streams where I say wow. something different. And Nova, Nova's basically his head collapses because he just can't, handle what Uatu's doing with his life but come to find out Uatu's doing all that because he's looking for the one time stream where this race of watchers stood behind what his dad did like the decision that was made where they should keep being leaders to other races and he can't find it in any wow. of the time streams because it doesn't exist and it's like a real sobering moment because the watcher shows feelings and it's 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 really cool first issue for to what's to come. I, I really enjoyed it. Even though, you know, it, it might go in a different direction after with Jason Aaron's run. I don't know, but I don't know. I really, really like this issue. It touched me. Seems it was very Arthur C. Clarkean and that makes me want to read it right now. Mm-hmm. And they show him. And then they the, show him go to his apartment after a long day at work. He throws his keys in the ashtray and just plops down and kicks his shoes off. <laughs> yeah, that's after a long day of watching. Absolutely. <laughs> but the watcher at the very end, the last page, the watcher does something that he never does. He acts, and that's because the Nova, the Nova or Nova has been looking for information on his disappeared father, and he's like. Uatu, I know you don't do this. I don't even know why I'm talking right now. And the one thing Watcher says is, he's alive. Indicating that Nova's dad is alive somewhere. And you know, like, he should have never even said that. But well, he spoke. To, he's about I've to never get seen him anyway. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it doesn't matter. Nobody's going to believe him. I feel like the, um, I guess it doesn't matter because he's going to get killed, but I feel like the Watcher has been so overdone the last five to ten years have him just show up at the end of a event or during an event and people like poo. <laughs> I mean, how, if you're living in the Marvel universe right now, you have to be so used to the watch just showing up when buildings are collapsing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Logan's yeah, met him 40 times. Up. They're buds. They play bridge together on Saturdays. We need to move on, Jonesy. We need to move on to the lightning round the most popular segment in show history. 
episode 150 just around the corner, Planetary. 600 pages. Jonesy's done. <laughs> Two senses are left. He finished while I was talking about Original <laughs> Sin number zero by Mark Wade. <laughs> Archer Co. and the Thousand Natural Shocks, issue number two. This delightfully pulpy comic about a mentalist slash, uh, slash hypnotist continues to throw curveballs at every short, well-paced issue. At 99 cents, there must be something wrong with your emotions to not pick this comic up. Emotionally wrong. Secret Origins number one from DC Comics. Lightning disagree. (laughs) Even though Superman's origin has been told literally in the last two years, and the first two pages made me groan, it turned out to be a touching, enjoyable retelling of Superman's origin. Take it to the bank, you son of a bee. <laughs> Conan the Avenger, number one. What? By Fred Van Lenty. Firmly establishing the new run, hot on the heels of Brian Wood's fantastic run. It's a continuation for only for the people who know there was a run before this. This issue kicks off a great storyline that old and new Conan fans would love. Lightning questions. Rebuttal. Jim Henson's Tale of Sand from our dear friends at Arkea, Ramon Perez, a host of colorists, Calvacade, I think is a word that I can use maybe, uh, from a unproduced Jim Henson script. Excuse me, guys. Yeah, just whip that hardcover out that you got over there. Um... So Jim Henson wrote this screenplay, never produced into a film, and has now been realized in graphic novel format. Jonesy, what is A Tale of Sand? All right, so Jim Henson and Jerry Jewell are in the 1970s, and they are very into their art. And what springs from it is the perfect example of postmodern American art disillusionment. It focuses on a character named Mac, who in the vein of Indiana Jones, Tarzan, brute hero, embarks on an adventure where he's suddenly uh, cheered and jeered by a small town in the West, perhaps, uh, to please go on this journey for them to Eagle Mountain where he will be safe. And that's all we're given to know. So he proceeds to cross the desert and during his journey there is a 
life-altering, hallucinogenic, seemingly LSD-inspired romp through many facets of American life and American fears, such as the sensation of being chased by the enemy. Uh, in this case, it's uh, kind of like uh, Arabian Nights bad guys, uh, bully football players, uh, and getting help, you know, quotation marks from an elder who runs a saloon in a dead-end town who really is not his helper. So there's that inclination of not trusting the older generation. And finally, uh, Mac crosses the finish line and the journey comes to a just as artful conclusion. That's about the most clear way, as convoluted as that was, of summing up a tale of sand. How's that hardcover looking over there, Dale? It's uh, knuckle deep right now. <laughs> knuckle deep in a tale of sand. What? Yeah. What did you I, What did you think of the of a tale of sand? Uh, award winning. Dale and his award winning. It's won awards, this hardcover. <laughs> Jonesy, you did about as good a job as could have been expected. Um, I can... I don't know what to say. I I know what, I don't know what to say, but I'm going to say... Throw it at the wall, see what sticks. Yeah, exactly. Like a pair of wet Hanes tea. The hardcover, the book is gorgeous. The the art, the color, is beyond stunning. The 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 way the hardcovers assembled, the stock of the pages, literally the page stock, is uh, beautiful. The story is something insane it's not too heavy but it's not too thick in plot that I could tell and I don't know it's it's really it's really confusing to try and talk about I've been bending over backwards my brain I've been racking my brain on what to say about this it's it's a fun adventure that I don't quite know where it puts me as far as having read it. I'm glad I read it. It's it's a peculiar romp. And 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 it's a seemingly infinite romp. It's you're led on to believe that this is a a vicious circle of a, of a story. He he gets thrust into this desert chase by this town and he winds up in the same town with people cheering him as he comes back into it only to be assumably sent back out again i agree each page is study in artistic greatness and each breakdown each all the pencils it's very gorgeously done and drawn and emoted through imagery i mean there's no out of my mind and that is why this book is nominated 
and received so many awards. Um, but there's also a clear reason why it was never produced until a film. Uh, to try to understand this uh, hardcover, this book, uh, I really had to put myself into the shoes of Jim Henson in the 1970s before The Muppet Show had taken off and why, and as it was taking off. Because think of it this way. The, the town represents, you know, his group, his peers, who on one hand tell him, go succeed, and behind his back are seemingly preparing him to fail. So that like that's like the emotion that he started out with writing this. Uh, and then look at all the different people he indicts on the way. Uh, bullies from his past, I'm sure, loomed heavy. Uh, you know, at one point, uh, the director, like there's a, just a Hollywood set who seemingly send these people after him. So kind of an indictment of Hollywood there. Uh, the old man out to get him, you know, the suit, the previous generation who's out to get the, the hippies. Uh, and finally, the true villain is himself as his own psychosis, as a darker version of himself. So it's it's like a very Andy Warholian expression of, I want to say like every negative thing he was going through in the 70s, and which is not what you would expect from a Jim Henson production because everything we have is so is so much in the light. And this this is a very dark story told in a handsome way and the fact that the imagery is gorgeous and light and beautiful and happy. But the undertones of it are very dark and very self-deprecating and very whatever the opposite of self-confidence is. And in that part, it's a touch of genius, the story, the pairing of that, that screenplay and the art. But in the end, I don't know that... I would ever want to read a screenplay that's convoluted 1960s, 1970s post-modern art. Like, I would never, if I would have paged through this at a, a, a comic book store, I would have never bought it. And it's a shame because this is right up somebody's alley like Catcher. Like, that's all I thought when I was reading this. Catcher would take this book and just burn his clothing and sit naked in a room just stroking this book and how great like this is absolutely uh you know hip nip this is a hipster's delight but <laughs> it it definitely was not for me i can appreciate it objectively for what it does and and the themes it explores and where the writer was and how the how great the art is but i did not like it wow 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 which which is funny that you say that Josie because if I were well I was at the store and I flipped th- like as I flipped through it it's almost like an insta buy for me only because the use of art and colors in it I almost I wouldn't have paid attention to the st- I mean I've I had the tale of sand since it came out and I haven't read it yet so you know it was an insta buy but until I sat down to read it and had a chance to judge it. I, I I bought it based on hardcover construction and the art and color alone. I, oh, I'm sure it's definitely shelf porn. Oh my, can't can't exactly say exactly. Sorry. Um, I mean, I obviously it's a gorgeous book. Dale said pretty much everything under the sun about how gorgeous it is. Um, and I th- 
I I agree that I can see why it it was never turned into a film, but I can totally see this as being kind of an indie film, almost art school final thesis film. Like you could see this getting circulated online like a film student made his final project and almost even a Twilight Zonian episode. Like you could see this guy doing all that stuff in like a half a 22 minute episode maybe and you know starting up again and yeah. be like whoa that was a cool twilight zone episode and i do see jonesy's explanation i think was spot on about how this was a view into jim henson's creative process growing up and and I, you could even get some of that in the afterwards written by the people who knew jim henson and they said you know yeah. this was um and like kind of a work about how uh, Jim felt going through the creative process where I interpreted it as at however correct or incorrect was he would go through this process of self doubt and need to find himself through the process to finish it. And then he needed to keep doing that to be creative and he needed to keep going through that process to, to you know, to find himself and win out but then he kept needing to reinvent himself to stay creative. That's how I interpreted it at the end. But I didn't. I did not like it. I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's unlike any graphic novel that's out there. It's probably you know a, a piece of why it's so award winning, and it's obviously gorgeous. I mean, Ramon Perez is like a master cartoonist. His stuff in this book is bonkers, and the colorist needs to get just as much credit as he does in this book. Yeah, and yeah, I mean really just. Does. Just bonkers stuff. I mean, I actually read this in landscape on my iPad today because it was just a treat to see the full page kind of presented. And not even because there were so many double page spreads, which there were, but it was just great to see the pages laid out in front of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the double page spreads, they really p- played off and complemented each other. Even the one, there were very many, like you said, splash pages, but. The ones that weren't, they just flowed better when you look at the whole book I, at once. And it's Ian Herring and Raymond P- Ramon Perez himself were the colorists. So Yeah, oh, I didn't realize Ramon did the color. Um, I mean, I, initially when you first started, you can see the script intertwined with the art. I loved that. I loved how they were splicing in the script into a lot oh, of yeah. scenes. And they kind of drifted away from that in the middle p- portion. But there was a cool scene where he went up to the shooter's perch and you could see that the shooter had the script in front of him and the part that had already been uh, completed was, was cut out and X'd out. And I thought Ramon Perez had a great style in, in kind of just doing humor. You know, a lot of, a lot of like timing that he did where he would light his cigarette and like the flames of his Volkswagen beetle while he's going off a cliff there's just a lot of great scenes that, you know, only someone that has done years of cartooning can pull off. It's like not something you see in a monthly comic book that we're used to. Even though Ramon Perez did a run on Wolverine the X-Men and he's going to do that Spider-Man mini, which I think is great because his art will hit a whole new audience. But, I mean, you could you could put this book in art art school. That's how great yeah. it is. Yeah, definitely. For... for Ramon to be able to take the screenplay and create something graphic out of it that's not motion picture, I mean, that alone is a pretty amazing feat. 
and then to make it look as beautiful and and certainly its own thing but complementary to the the screenplay itself is just uh, is just pretty incredible to look at i mean it's it really is you need to if you see it at the at the store anywhere thumb through it and you'll see what we mean like i i believe that you know colorists in every comic are like 50% of the art for me but this just takes it to a whole new level like the color choices and the palette in this book is just insane it's great i was just going through the screenshots that i took and i went so far back it's just a a great parallel i had this double, gorgeous double page read by ramon perez and i scroll over and i have a picture of paulie dangerously from eastern championship wrestling talking into a microphone just uh you know that's, that's what my ipad is is housing right now Pe- peppered i mean the one double page spread that i think was my favorite was the one where he's going through the desert and the music is playing and there's musical notes everywhere and then there's the 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 waning gibbous moon with a wolf howling in between it. Just amazing. I don't know how long it must have taken him to do this stuff, but I I can't wait for his Spider-Man run. And it sounds like I'm shortchanging Tale of Sand, but, I mean, I loved mm-hmm. going through Tale of Sand. I thought it was unlike any other book that I'd read. And and I think I actually, I, I actually think it's great that Jonesy gave such a intelligent correct review of the book and still didn't you know didn't love it like i thought your review you could have said 99 percent of what you had said and said you loved it but you still at the end said it just wasn't for me but it was like a spot-on review you hit every pretty much point which i thought was you know pretty cool thank you that was a compliment so put the timestamp down (laughs) for jonesy so that you can savor that i'm just gonna slowly back away from the mic the uh, i forgot what i was gonna say um the little comedy timing, like the the running gag of him trying to light a cigarette on everything, and the silence of the book as a whole, really felt like a silent film or something like that. Where he, you, maybe all you would hear through throughout the film is every time you go to light a cigarette, maybe you hear like a little grunt or a, a like a smirky sound, and that'd be the only sound coming from him other and and the rest of the film would just be you know silent film music mm-hmm. or something like that it was really well done the, the comedy stylings the t- the timing of that when he would find himself in these weird ass pred- predicaments in the middle of the southwest of the united states in the middle of a desert you know uh football players chasing him and then tussling with uh Middle Eastern fellows and and turbans and stuff with scimitars, and then he co- he comes into a saloon and and stuff like that. It's really really wacky stuff, but the the underlying th- um, theme of it is him pulling out the cigarette every t- flame he saw, and he just couldn't light that cigarette for 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 the life of him. Poor guy, great. Poor Mac. Did, poor Mac. Loved him. I loved his Wolverine run. I keep coming back to his his Marvel stuff. The, the stuff with dog, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It was his uh, his art on Wolverine, his run on Wolverine the X Men was really good. Mm-hmm. Rachel Summers, I just remember Rachel Summers or Jean Grey, one of them looking like really cool. I remember he drew her. too um, how like involved Ramon Perez was in that book that Aaron said that he wrote Marvel style for that run, 
where he just gave you know Ramon Perez a brief outline of what the book was, and he filled in the words later. Man, you know, it's got talent. Brilliant. It's got talent. Uh, Jonesy, any closing words on the tale of sand? Just one, uh, you know, Dale reminded me of uh, something that was like an early note for me when I started reading this. And I thought that it was bizarre. There's many times during the traveling that Mac uh, was silent, that on the bookends he spoke. And that didn't exactly take me out of it. But I I wondered if that was a, a choice made by Henson or something they did for the comic. Because it seemed to me that it should have been a silent protagonist throughout. And when he spoke, it was it didn't really match up with the theme of the overall book. And I would be interested to see, and I didn't read the forward and afterward, but I'd be interested to go back oh. and read and see if, Great um, stuff. if that was a choice made for this production or if if Jim actually had a dialogue in the... Uh, in the original screenplay, I mean, it was it was just a. a they're actually. A, I just saw today that they're going to be releasing his uh, screenplay in book format over the summer. Hmm. Archaea is, and then they're re-releasing the uh, A Tale of Sand in like a slipcase format and stuff like that. Ooh, slipcase! Um, are, are you getting it? But in the right forward now? and afterward in this book needs to be read. I mean, it's really, really, really cool. The process of uh, uh, Jim Henson's daughter was talking about him you know working on the screenplay through the throughout the 60s and 70s and how they eventually came to Archaea and, and thought to produce this this uh graphic novel from it it's really worth a read yeah, i think i might go back and read it a tale of sand we got your letters i'm gonna open them up farrington's gonna read them to you dot com. Um, you shoot us a letter We might read it on the era First up we got a uh, Letter from friend of the show K. Allen Boone Of the Ancillary Characters Podcast And the Turtle Jump Podcast which is a video game podcast do you ever read anything that's trying to be too deep, but it misses the mark? Have you ever read such a work again later, and somehow it just seemed brilliant on the reread? I recently had this experience with Final Crisis. In the other direction, have you ever read something you once considered brilliant, but a later reading made it seem sloppy and contrived? Hmm. Your friend, Alan. It's a good question. I don't know if I can think I, of anything I remember off the top. I remember famously that we did Atomic Robo as a book club and I just wasn't in the mood to read it. Oh, man. And, that, e- and oh, everyone said that I hated the book. tore it apart. Goes down in the annals of Oof. paper keg history. Should have just called in sick that episode. <laughs> um, I That's trying to be deep. Oh, boy. I feel like I've any criticism of any book club... On here, I've probably used the word deep. It's my go-to. I could have maybe said that for scalped at one time. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's when I, even probably 100 episodes ago from here, I probably would have, I, pr- I would be curious to go back and read that. But at the time, 
missed the mark for me. But Final Crisis, I, I don't believe anybody. I don't believe you, Alan. <laughs> I Final Crisis. I think. I mean, it's a shot. It's a shock to me that a host from the Ancillary Characters podcast would talk about a DC comic book. <laughs> Very strange, right? <laughs> all all was right with the world. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head except for the time that I hated Hulk Gray. And then I, I think I, Dale and I got into it, and then I ended up rereading it like months later. I really liked it. Really? Yeah. Did you? Like yeah, it? I went. I for some reason I was I was in a mood. I I read like Daredevil Yellow, then I read Spider Man Blue, and then I read Hulk Gray, mm-hmm. and I guess those two other books setting me up for it. I was totally dialed in, and and ready to read it. And I I think I hated it the first time I read it. And I turns it. It turns out yeah. on the second reread, I really liked it. So yeah, you pooped all over it. Yeah, I, I think you. I remember unfairly treating Hulk Gray. I mean, and, and it's probably because I wasn't a Hulk liker. But yeah. uh, I guess this is one yeah. of my more famous and long spread backpedals here. <laughs> I think I remember wanting everybody else to like Hulk Gray as much as I did. I think everybody but, liked uh, it, it except for happen. me. I think it was the only one who didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? I can say, what was it? Captain America Truth. Huh. I think that missed the mark for me, hmm. and it was that, and that was deep. That was some deep stuff there. But it, it just like kind of it deflected it. The deepness tried to hit me dead on it, like deflected <laughs> off. You, so the over the matrix, you on. just went on your back hind legs and let it dodge by you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Slim, any anything? I can't from you? think of anything. I have a terrible memory. First of all, yeah, you do. I'm gonna. I had to listen to these book clubs to see what the heck I said about most of them. Even Flex Mentala, which I knew garbage that I wanted to go flush down the nearest uh, bidet. I can't remember what I said about it. I missed the mark. All right, <laughs> there was no mark. There was no point. There was no nothing in that book. Oh my! <laughs> yes, that was yes. Stormwatch all over again. All right, so Let it. this next letter comes for us by, by new friend of the show, uh, who identifies himself as Dennis Quaid, but I don't think uh, that's quite who he is. Mm. Uh, the subject Could reads: be. "Knuckle deep Sweet. in paper keg." Evening, drizzling s's. Your second biggest fan here because I dare not go against Dragonfro for the number one title. I've been a long-time listener, but this is my first time writing. Thank you. I felt particularly swayed to write, and after this sensual experience I shared with Dale underscore, underscore Hogan and Jonesy Loves Thunder in Paradise, I was going to sleep after an exhausting day. I had my headphones in, snuggled in bed, listening to the end of the Severed episode when the song Thunder in Paradise started playing in the background. Oh, Jonesy and Dale then serenaded me like anything I've ever experienced before. My heart swelled. My Captain America shield manifested around my grip fist. I started sweating bullets, <laughs> maybe even the amount of 100 sweat bullets, some might say, as you two described a luscious beach scene. <laughs> I entered a music fever dream that entailed me walking along a beach with Slim, our toes in the sand, and the sun on our backs. That's nice. Hmm. Our fingers entwined. And in our other hands, our own personal copies of the Broobs Winter Soldier hardcovers. 
A female dragon fro flies over our heads, which I picture as a dragon with an afro, and life is good. I woke up the next morning with an extra spring on my step and an S-eating grin on my face. You guys always bring a smile to my face while I listen to your every word. I almost was crying of laughter when I found out that Dale underscore Beefcake's Google Hangout subtitle is Knuckle Deep and HCs. So funny. Thanks for all you guys have done and keep up the entertaining work. A quick question I would like to ask, so this letter isn't completely useless. I was wondering if you guys recommend any great Iron Man runs. I know the popular ones like Demon in a Bottle and Extremis, but I was curious if any more <laughs> come to mind for you guys. Thanks for being truly awesome. Yours truly, Dennis Quaid. <laughs> Dennis uh, Quaid I love doing inner space, Dennis. We've, we had Daniel, Daniel Day-Lewis on the show tonight, and Dennis Quaid just emailed He's been listening to us probably for over 100 episodes, and he's finally that was a, written that, in. That was a detailed letter. That was a fantastic letter. I remember reading that in a fever dream the other night. Yeah. I yeah, I remember he, it was. he sent it. He must have sent it like 1 or 2 a.m., and it was. I remember seeing it come across, and then it either got marked as red in our email. or I, I remember seeing it, and then it disappeared from my periphery for at least until I woken up. And then I read it, and it was amazing. Yeah. I always love it when somebody decides to take the time to really weave a wonderful letter for us. It's quite awesome. Yeah, I think his, uh, his real name's Ryan, and thanks for writing in, Ryan. That's cool to know that you've been out there this whole time, and you've been... Uh, Come to Free Comic Book I just thought it was my mom. Comic Book Days, we can get Knuckle Deep. Knuckle Deep. Dragon with an afro. Is the number one thing. <laughs> Solving the mystery of who Dragon Pro is or what the name means. And uh, next up is from Dragon Fro himself, hmm. King of the Letter Writers. So let me get this straight. Slim King. thinks. So let me get this straight. Slim thinks Ms. Marvel is a more important book than Fear Agent. Guess I'm going to have to go pick this book up. And with all seriousness, John Hamm as Doctor Strange would be pretty good. At Zola Fro. Not even going to respond to any Dragon Fro emails. You, oh my god. In all seriousness, that is the deepest troll he has ever trolled. Uh, I'm going to make a Gmail roll that auto-deletes <laughs> Dragon Fro Oh my emails. gosh, it's terrible. <laughs> I, I wonder if the Fark Marrington uh, rule is still in effect. That's been in effect ever since the last one. When it went down the <laughs> tubes, it was a it was a jumping over the shark with the Fonz riding a ski skis right over the shark. I think that's what happened when that last letter came. Uh, the next letter comes from a former guest host and true friend of the show, Panooch. Uh, the subject is uh, just days away. Hi, fellas. Looking forward to seeing... Now, I wonder since he's part of the Echo uh, Echo Free Radio Rift... Oh, now they're going to think I did it on purpose. The word, Radio Free Echo Rift crew that I should connolly it up and just rip apart this letter and eviscerate Paduch. Right. But I won't. Wow, that's their That's shtick. not what we do. We save that for Dragon Fro. Hi, fellas. Looking <laughs> forward to seeing you all in just a few days at the comic book shop for free comic book day. 
One of my favorite recent traditions, and I am thrilled you guys will be doing it yet again. As will I. Uh, Panooch is a great guy to go get a couple beers with. I love the show last week on Severed. It is one of my favorite limited series in recent years and has some of the best tonal art. Snyder, Tuft, and Futaki create a rare title in Severed in that it is incredibly harrowing and the impact of the story really resonates without really ever needing to be shocking in a gory way. Boogeyman stories always work better than slasher stories. Let's get into it. You are given the ability to greenlight one HBO series based on a current Marvel property. What would you choose, and who would you cast as the lead? See you soon, fellas. Panooch. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and add a caveat to his rule. You can't mention Daredevil, Iron Fist, or the other third one that got greenlit for Netflix. Panooch knows how to ask the, the right questions. I mean, God, I don't even know. Let's see. What did I just download this week? I downloaded that new Electra. I mean, if it's done in the Del Mundo style on the HBO. Let's see what else I got here. Uh, hmm. uh, man, I don't know. Tough, tough decision to put a, a Marvel show on HBO. I got it. You ready for this? Everyone, if you're listening to this on audio, you have to turn into the YouTube page just to see Jonesy's face. <laughs> my my ass-eating grin. Why can't yeah. we get a tie-in show to the Winter Soldier following Sebastian Stan uh, as he gets unthawed throughout the years wow. of decades wow. and goes after assassination wow. missions? Look, at, mm. did you see that little move? <laughs> that little King Cobra <laughs> head rattle? <laughs> I mean... He nailed it, and he knows it. He I was guess. Just, he was ready to pounce at the mm. TV screen with a with a death blow. Mm. That's a great. Okay. <laughs> All right, yeah, okay. Chud's getting emails now to guest host on podcasts at this instant. I think that would be you know, an extraordinary show. If that was a real thing, I would maybe watch it the day after. Speaking of which, I still have to watch a hard R of Thrones this week. Ooh. Yeah, so do I. Actually, I can't. I mean, it's it. The, the main Twitter account is spoiling the show two days after anymore. It, this is new. This is new for this season. Let's spoil it to, in two days. It's okay. I don't know. I'm the manager. I have. Uh, I'm letting my social media guys spoil it two days after. I mean, we got to play devil's advocate. You're following the TV show's Twitter account. Two days isn't fair game for the for the TV show's Twitter account. Devil's Advocate. I don't know. I, I have it on a list. I don't follow it per se. Oh, jeez. Heavens. Um, you know what? I'm trying to think of what would be kind of grounded enough. You can't go super crazy with budgets. Fury Max. Jesus. Right oh, now. wow. I haven't read it. Okay, so fair. who do you cast as Fury? Oh my! I gotta think. I gotta think about this. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Dale? What about that? Uh, what about that old uh, dude that's like in love with um, the, the dragon lady from Game of Thrones? What's that guy's name? Oh, who he plays? Stannis Baratheon. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, the guy who plays He's Gerard like Mormont. Oh, uh, what about that yeah, guy? Yeah, he's pretty great. He had a, on him. like a British detective 
show that's on Netflix. I keep meaning to check out. Luther? No, but Luther is fantastic. Yeah. If you haven't read it yet, you're deficient in some way. Let's cast that guy as, as Watch Fury it, Max. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Idris Elba as Fury Max. Yes. Idris Elba as Fury Max. Max Universe Nick Fury. Idris Elba as Please Come to My House and Be My Friend. <laughs> Dale, do you have any... Uh, have you Have you been Googling right now? What are you, what are you doing been, over there? I've been scrolling up and down my comicsology library. Uh-huh. And the only thing, honestly, the only thing that I still have downloaded to my local device... The sword. Is... <laughs> oh, God, that garbage hot butter... Every teeth in their GG heads. heads. I could see. Every teeth, like Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> Mitch Gerard's Punisher. Oh, I know there's been three movies. I don't care. HBO, HBO level violence, HBO, uh, what they're allowed to show, sex. Yeah. So who, so people who's your Frank Castle? <laughs> I thought Ray Stevenson did a great job. I would bring him back. He's got great ties with HBO. He did Rome for them. I don't think he can pull off the hair that Punisher has in San Francisco. Yeah, Punisher. that San Fran hair. The locks. Mm-hmm. Those luscious locks. Uh-oh. Just got another dragon fro email. <laughs> <laughs> Over the wire. Dragon fro just got a direct line to our letters. <laughs> God, maybe I'll maybe I'll Punisher. read I'll read it this time. I'll read Go that whoa, Dustin whoa, Peterson's whoa, wow. email. A compliment to me. You're reading a letter. Is this the last episode? This is it. It was after Planetary. We're hanging him up. Spoilers. Just found out that Aaron Taylor Johnson playing Quicksilver and Elizabeth Olsen playing Scarlet Witch in Age of Ultron are playing a married couple in the new Godzilla movie. Kind of weird, but also kind of makes sense, right? Right? At Dragonzola. <laughs> I think he was uh, insinuating incest, which that couple that does wasn't a lot. covered uh, in the ultimate. It was insinuated the ultimate universe. Oh, right, yeah. Mm. Mm. In that case, it doesn't feel good to know that. Did you come up with a uh, with an idea yet, Dale? The show is hinging on you coming <laughs> no, up with I, I have a show no and a cast. Hour and five minutes, no pressure. I don't know. Venom. Just throwing titles out now. Yeah, now you're going there. (laughs) Someone had to. What a show. Venom could work. What a show. Just going to have to wing it. Just going to have to wing it. What a show. Episode 150, just days away. Mm. Biggest show we've ever done. Is the show ending after 150? Planetary, every single piece of Planetary comic book published, we're reading it, and we're going to discuss it. Big show. Pretty big show. We'll see everybody next week, and Free Comic Book Day be there. Love you.
I may have the answers that Panooch seeks from showrunner Dale underscore A. Only because I recently watched it. Either of Body Heat, the two young guys from Pacific Rim. The Idris Elba's in that movie. (laughs) He is. You're right. Um, The young guy who sacrifices his life alongside of Idris Elba, who played Warlow in the latest season of True Blood. Maybe with some black hair, he could pull it off, I think. He's got uh, the face for it. Or maybe the other guy. Cast as who? The Punisher. Oh, I forgot they even suggested that. Because you had the worst memory we already established. You're like, who's Panooch? Panooch what? <laughs> Panhu? <laughs> Panhooch? Yeah, what a show. What a casting from Dale underscore. What yeah, about it? You don't give two craps about it, apparently. Remember when I totally called it Winter Soldier? Oh, God, I knew it. I knew it as soon as he had it coming out of that <laughs> snake mouth of his. We'd never hear the end of it. <laughs> Super soldier stories. 150. I don't know how it's going to go. You know, biggest show in history. Not going to get any bigger. We're not even doing round table. Mm-mm. Right Obviously it. not doing Niaz. Uh, yeah. Still in retirement. What, what episode that we canceled the news? Was it all the way back in like episode 80 or something like that? It's been a while since we've done no. it. Like maybe a year. Maybe like in the one twenties or something. Yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah. It was way before Akira. I want to say. Oh God. Oh God. Akira. Was it? I don't think no, so. All right. Well, that was like what one twenty one, one twenty five. No, because I, I remember. You would remember that for the rest of your days. That's the last episode with news. <laughs> Make a mental note. <laughs> I didn't. The news segment was awful. <laughs> Come on. It was awful for many levels. You were getting the same news on five different Twitter accounts <laughs> that you follow. I was reading the news into into air and space, getting no reaction from <laughs> any of my co-hosts about the news. Oh, it spe- was, uh, speaking of which, I remember listening to that Hush episode or another episode that I just listened to, but Mark used to do the news. Do you remember Mark that? Farrington, I guess Mark was the news guy. Yeah. As I directly asked him for the news that week. And he was rattling off these terrible news items. Robin Williams as the Riddler. It might have been the Hush episode. Huh. I can't remember when Mark. No, when did maybe Mark I come maybe back? I just sacrificed and I said we. I don't have any news this week, Mark. Maybe you do it. Maybe I said that. I don't. Remember. I don't know. I remember do you, do you started the show beaten down. <laughs> I was beaten down. I remember the episode don't where we descended me. into Bane impressions. As being one of my personal favorites. I think for like a month after Dark Knight, we were doing heavy Bane voices. Oh, definitely. Bane voices was on heavy rotation back then, (laughs) With good reason, though. Yeah. What about anything else? Uh, No. It's Wednesday, so comics came out today. Yeah, I read... Uh, Downloaded some stuff, though. I read the latest issue of Letter 44. It was really good. What did you think? I think uh, I think it just uh, turned a corner back in awesomeness. 
Charm I feel soul. I feel like it's hard for me to keep up plot wise with that book as a monthly. Like I, for, yeah, I, I thought agree. the last thing that happened last issue was them him saying he's going to tell the public, and it was like a cliffhanger. I felt like that. Nah, happened, the last but I don't issue was where the two guys died on like the the apparatus that they're sent to study. But the the cliffhanger of the last issue is pretty intense. Did you read uh, Electra? No, I downloaded. I haven't read yet. You liked it though. I didn't read it yet. I didn't read Daredevil yet either, which is odd for me. It's usually my first read. I read that. I liked it. Amazing X Men Six. Did you guys read that? That was good. The the was, bar one, I think. Yeah, the bar one. It was great. The first three quarters of it was great, and the, the, everything that happened in the bar was cool. That when Scott and his crew showed up, that was really nice. I thought it was interesting that Wolverine would wear his costume in the bar. <laughs> I, th- I thought the same exact thing. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad you pointed like, that why out. Why is he prancing around in full costume in a absurd. bar? This is the only time he would ever. He would never. I don't think he would ever. I would almost take that as an insult, so as Kurt. Like, show me your face. You know, we're having. Yeah. You're welcoming me back to Earth and life after like however many years, and you're wearing that getup. I wonder if that was Cameron Stewart's. Like, did he just not realize? I don't know. I mean, it was an odd choice. <laughs> What's odd? Superior eleven and twelve. I read. That was good. Team up. Yeah, I'm wondering what happened um, to that book. Do you know if it's ending? Or relaunching? No, I don't know. Superior Foes is supposedly still going on. I thought that was a mini. No. Hmm. <clears throat> but that was uh, 11 and 12 was Ock and Norman teaming up. What? It was a little twist. It was a little twist on things, yeah. from It was like a flashback kind of arc. Hmm. But the last page was the first page of 11 and the last page of 12 were done by Chichetto. <gasps> and the uh, last page of 12 is like Peter outed, out and about as the amazing Spider-Man again. And the logo the logo was there in the corner and it was Chichetto, Spider-Man. It was really, really, really nice. Love me some Chichetto. Chichetto. <clears throat> Dale, I think you should read The Brave. I think you'll like it. The one I talked about in my round table. I think you'd dig it. Cool. I'm going to, uh, I think I want to check that out. Dale's deleting it right now from his iPad. He's actually just using a I'm, photo app to draw a picture of a snake around my icon. <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm adding it to my cart just so I can take it out of my cart again, delete it from my cart. <laughs>